I've done a lot of really crazy shit. I've done a oh, lot yeah. of really interesting oh, shit. Oh, oh, really? That, like what? That's just that's <laughs> not one of them. That's just not one of them. So let's get to it. The conversations you're about to hear are intended for mature audiences. If adult themes are offensive to you, well, grow up. So dirty talk, so yeah. sex talk. Yeah, it, it started off as dirty talk. I was actually like very excited to see my partner with somebody else. She looked at me and said, so you want to have sex with other people, that's what you're saying. <laughs> and you find it a turn on to hear about what he did. Yeah, and then it's like, I want to come home and get it the way she got it. Does he know you have a boyfriend? Well, yes. This is Consenting Adults with Lena Wynn. My guests today are joining me from New Zealand. They're quite young, 31 and 32, Kitty and Johnson. Kitty is a holistic wellness practitioner. Johnson was in aviation. Let me tell you a little bit about what they're into right now. So Kitty has been in non-monogamous relationships before. He is in ethically non-monogamous relationships and also has a submissive play partner outside his primary, but they're not together. <laughs> they're exes. And they run this podcast and also a business called Sex With My Ex. So you guys used to be in a relationship together? We a did. long, long time ago. <laughs> yeah, And we you did. still like each other, right? You still like each other enough to like work together? We love each other. Yeah, we do. Yeah, he's one of the closest friends that I have. Very nice. When you guys were together, were you monogamous? Yes, yes. we were. Yeah, yeah we were. Mm -hmm. We're talking in our sort of mid-teens when we were together. We actually made our sexual debuts together. So we've come full circle, some might say, now coaching and running workshops in the sexuality space along with the podcast that you mentioned. So it's been quite the interesting journey, right, Kitty? It's been it's been a ride, all right. <laughs> so this is interesting to me. So when you were together, you were monogamous. Why did you break up? We were quite young. We really were. And I went off the rails. <laughs> We've spoken about it many times. And Johnson did extremely well kind of trying to hold that. And we were young, you know. You kind of think you're going to stay with someone forever and have the fairy tale life and get married and all that kind of stuff. But it didn't really work out that way. And then I actually ended up leaving the city we were in. And we drifted apart for many years before we reestablished a friendship. Okay. How did you like find common ground in non-monogamy? Like, how did this happen? Like most well, exes I, don't even want to talk about sex with their ex, right? Well, well it, was quite, it was quite interesting, right? So Kitty, uh, as you mentioned, she's been in the holistic wellness space for quite some time. And she's been doing some amazing work for a number of years particularly supporting women. And she put out on her social media a post about wanting to be able to help with men's mental health. We actually have one of the highest male suicide rates in the world down here in New Zealand, and it's, it's really shocking. And so she wanted to step into that. And so I reached out to her because both through my personal life and my corporate background, I'd had a fair bit of exposure to some of this stuff. And I said, hey, look, I don't know how I can help, but I'm, I mean, I'm here for a conversation if you need it. And I'd done a program, actually, and had been mentoring some guys through a program that deals with male aggression in particular. And one of the areas that came up quite often for these guys was aggressive behaviors when it came to sexuality, because we were really ill-equipped, I suppose, and ill-educated to be able to talk about sex in a shame-free way, particularly as males in this part of the world. And so that came up in the conversation with Kitty. And of course, 
because we'd made our sexual debuts together and we'd had that connection, we both wear our hearts on our sleeves, so to speak. And since we'd separated and re-established the friendship, it's safe to say that we'd both had quite interesting sex lives. And so we just started comparing notes and thought, fuck it, we should tell the story on a podcast. We should interview amazing people. And we've been so blessed with the people that have come on. We need more of this down here. It sounds like it started as really just trying to help people, right? Yeah, To help absolutely. people and, and, and open up the conversation. So let's get to you guys personally as far as how you stepped into non-monogamy. Kitty, let's start with you. So yeah. when was your first foray into it and, and why? Uh, I was in a marriage. So um, I've got three kids and I was with my kids for seven and a half years. And about four years ago, four and a half, five years ago, we separated and I didn't know what the fuck to do <laughs> because I'd only been in a traditional monogamous relationship with him. And I was new into the dating world. I remember first going on Tinder and not knowing what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> it was painful and I deleted it after like 24 hours. And so uh, I kind of went in and out of some really beautiful kind of friends with benefits, but non-exclusive situations. And to be honest, I wasn't in a really healthy place at that time. So then I was in another two and a half year relationship that was closed, that was monogamous. And after that, I felt really good. And I thought, you know what? I'm really interested in exploring that. And so I had some really cool friends. I already knew these guys, which was nice. Like there's already kind of trust and respect within those spaces, but we just went into like open partnerships. We just kept the communication up. And then at the end of last year, I was approached by someone who I just recently met who had had lots of experience in non-monogamy and, and really having it as like a framework of a, a partnership as like a primary primary partner, which I hadn't really experienced before. So it was kind of scary because I wasn't looking for something traditional, but I didn't really know what I wanted. And it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. I loved learning about it. I loved the concept of being able to have like endless love and attention to give to anyone and to be able to just trust and have respect for one another within that. But I am currently in an exclusive connection now. However, I'm just open to wherever it goes. You know, I've had beautiful experiences in both of those places, both in and out of monogamy. So I, I always say to people, look, it's not what you think it is. Go into learning about it with an open mind. And I think we're breaking down all the taboos and you know, shit that's out there around what traditional should look like because I was in it and it didn't work for me. You know, I had the white picket fence life and that works for some people and it, it doesn't for others. So that's why I'm really passionate about sharing about it, just educating people because people mm -hmm. don't know. They've got so many misconceptions about it. Right. So it, it sounds like you weren't in a relationship. You had several um, partners, but you weren't committed to one. I was in for a few months. I was in a committed, open relationship, but it was not polyamorous. So we were primary care carers to one another. And then we did have partners outside of that. Were you doing like solo play? Each of you were just doing yes, solo play? we so were. It was just an yeah. open uh, relationship. Okay. Yeah, it was. And then currently, yeah. are you in a monogamous relationship? I am. Now? I am. Oh. And it's still non-traditional. <laughs> so, well, well, What do you mean? So um, we are exclusively sleeping with one another. We are really interested in not going down the let's date and then let's live together and then let's get married and let's have that white picket fence life. We're very much taking it as it comes. And also we've 
talked about exploring with other partners together mainly. Like we've spoken about us two then going and stepping into places together like as a couple as opposed to solo play outside of it. Oh, okay. So like to kind of make it as basic and simple as possible for for my listeners who've heard a lot of different play styles. So you guys are like perhaps exploring like what we know as traditional swingers? Yeah, yeah. That would be where we would be going, yeah. And you haven't done that yet? No, we're fresh. (laughs) We're super, super fresh. Oh, okay. So it's a pretty new relationship. Yeah, Johnson keeps taking the piss out of me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay, so Johnson, let's talk about you. So when did you start this whole ethical non-monogamy stuff? In my late teens is when I had my first experience of non-monogamy. Oh. So really most of my adult life, and it's it's gone through seasons. So I was married actually for just shy of 10 years, believe it or not. And there was quite a large period of time during that marriage where we were completely monogamous. But certainly before that, in my late teens, early 20s, and that showed up mostly as me as a single dude playing with couples. Oh. That's how I got into it, mm-hmm. uh, as the third wheel, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then since the dissolution of my marriage, few years back, really got more into the swinging scene in particular with my now partner. And then that has evolved somewhat in so much as she is monogamous. So we're kind of a mono, non-mono relationship in that she doesn't feel the need to play with anybody else. And that's totally cool. That's her choice. She, she can, if she wants to, just chooses not to. And I have a submissive play partner that I play with as well. Um, and she and I sort of attend swingers parties or swingers clubs together and, and do our own thing. So so let me ask about your primary partner then. You said that she really doesn't have a desire to be with other people. Is she at all involved? I mean, like, does she, she just let you play or does she take pleasure in hearing about it or seeing things? Yeah, good questions. So she was involved for quite some time. We used to go to a lot of swingers parties together and she had a great time. And then sort of at the start of this calendar year, really, she said that she wanted to take some sort of time out and just connect with her own sexuality, which I think is fantastic. That's really, really cool. And she just said she didn't regret any of the experiences we shared together, had a fantastic time, met some awesome people, but she just wasn't vibing it for right now. It just wasn't the season for her. And it was actually her suggestion. Because, of course, my my initial response was, okay, absolutely. We become monogamous. That's not a problem. Her, her suggestion a couple of months down the track was actually, you know, I've seen the shit-eating grin that, go, that, you know, smirks across your face when you're having fun in those situations. So by all means, if you want to get amongst it, go, go and do it. Mm. So I play completely separate from Mrs. Johnson. She knows about it all the time, and I keep her up to date. And... The rule really that we live by is that if she wants to know absolutely anything, she just needs to ask and I will answer completely honestly and and transparently. But more often than not, she just wants to know, hey, I'm going out. We call it playing tennis in our relationship. That's our little code word, right? So I'll I'll say something like, hey, I'm going to go and play tennis on Friday night, kind of expecting to be home at, I don't know, by midnight. If I'm not, you know, I'll flick you a text and Honestly, afterwards, if she wants to know specific, she'll ask, and sometimes she'll just sort of say, hey, welcome home, babe. I hope you had a great night, and we, we go to sleep. Um, and then how's the sex between you guys? Oh, it's amazing. 
absolutely incredible. Mm. It's funny because when we reconnect afterwards, I feel even more drawn to her. See, the thing is the sorts of environments I'll play in non-monogamously with my other play partner. Um, the parties or the group settings is a, is a different vibe than what myself and Mrs. Johnson have, obviously. That's a huge turn on for me and my, and my play partner. But mm. then we also have this dominant submissive dynamic. Mm. Myself and my other kind of secondary play partner, if you like. And again, that's not something that's so much Mrs. Johnson's jam, but she knows it's my jam. And so she absolutely loves that I get to express that with someone else who is absolutely into it as well. So it just works really well. So you do the show together and you have a business in which you help other people. Is it always when people have issues or is it more of exploratory? People want to learn more about it. Can you kind of tell me what you guys do? The introductory workshop that we host is for absolutely every single person because it's about sexual mindfulness. And we believe that we're holistic beings and part of that holistic self is our sexuality. And too often there is shame. There are all these things that are blocking people to explore their own sexuality. So it's really, really every single person can benefit from the initial space that we hold. We combine a couple of different philosophies. We look in exploring like urban tantra, neo-tantra. We look at conscious kink. We really open a space for anyone to be there. And then as you progress with us in our framework, they become more specific. They become deeper. We're looking at specific areas in the, the top tier workshops such as yeah, BDSM, non-monogamy, we look at like Shibari, all these kinds of things. However, you can come in at any point and work alongside us. And honestly, we just think everyone should be investing and spending time supporting their own sexual wellness. And then in our coaching, again, it can be for anyone. I had a friend the other day say, can it help with my communication with my partner? And I was like, fuck yes, <laughs> of course it can, because it comes into it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And our coaching is really, really specific. We create and design specific programs for the couples that we're working with. You probably hate this question, but because a lot of my listeners are not in the lifestyle, clearly they have some kind of interest, if at the very least just finding out more about it, or it sounds freaky and they love it. But what kind of people are we talking about here? We have such a diverse range of people come through that we get the pleasure and honor of interacting with. There's people that are quite familiar with the sorts of things that we're talking about already, mindfulness, or they might do yoga, for example. And so Introducing them to tantric mindfulness practices and sex is not too big a jump for them. But we had a couple come to one of our workshops, the initial workshop that Kitty was mentioning. And that workshop is about connecting with your own sexuality. I think it would be fair to say that this couple that came along, the wife was super intrigued, super into it and, and wanting to learn. I think he was there, well, put it this way. He said, oh, she told me this morning that we were going and I just, I didn't really have a choice and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here. And this all sounds, kind of, <laughs> this all sounds very woo woo and uh, I'm not into this shit. And he, I mean, he was like a, a hard, how old would they be? Kitty, late fifties, early sixties. Yeah. Late fifties, sixties. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he was a farmer. He was like this tough as nails. Mm -hmm. uh, none of his words were more than one or two syllables. <laughs> quite, quite a gruff guy, very quiet as well. And we did the workshop and he slowly opened up and look, by the end of the workshop, he had the whole group in tears as he was saying things like, I want to take you home. This is to his partner in front of the group. 
I want to take you home. I want to light some candles. I want to cook you a delicious dinner. I want to make love to you because I feel like I haven't done that for years. And then he wrote us an email a few weeks after the the workshop finished, just thanking us for allowing him to connect with his sensuality, his sexuality, to kind of get through some of those hard walls and defenses that he'd put up as a, you know, proper Southern farming kind of lad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said, a guy in his late 50s. And he was super skeptical. Like if we'd come out of the gate at the start of the workshop with all the tantric mindfulness stuff, I think he would have walked out. Sure. We ease people into it, you know, it's for everyone. And some of the feedback we get from the people that you would least expect to be there, honestly, warms our heart and makes everything worth it. It's so mm-hmm. cool. Uh, I don't know how much you guys know about the United States. Is there much of a difference on like how open we are or maybe we're not compared to, you know, you Kiwis? I, what's the difference? You, you, know? you are. We hit walls yeah. here. Like there is so much oh. shame in this country. There is so much disconnect from sexuality. Our mental health issues are through the roof. Even our censorship and everything here, like, it's an issue and this is why we've kind of stepped into this space and of course we don't have as many people too so even like the swinging scenes and you know the polyamorous non-monogamy scenes they're just not as big there aren't as many venues and things like that and I think there's a lot of people which is what we're finding with the podcast in particular that are like oh my gosh I'm not fucking alone in this like I'm not crazy I'm not the only one with these fantasies and desires yeah we're already seeing this community kind of come up from the podcast alone of people that have felt isolated and alone in their wants needs desires prior to somebody else having the conversation Kitty had a really important point there I mean if you look at the whole of New Zealand so we're about the same population as Ireland but we are the same size geographically as a country of pretty much the whole of Great Britain. Hmm. So you've got fuck all people spread over a reasonable landmass. Right. And we have one swingers club in the whole country. Oh really? Yeah. And wow. I mean this is where I'll get in trouble. There uh, there's like one or two others I haven't been but I've heard they're pretty crap. And so there's yeah there's really one swingers joint in the whole country and so it's very underground here. So not only do you have the typical Kiwi attitude of, well, we just never, ever talk about sex anyway, but we just don't have the resources. Whereas, you know, if you think LA, New York, I mean, how many options do you have for not only swingers clubs, but BDSM clubs or, you know, specific kink events or lifestyle events? There's just so much going on, you know? I know. I hear you. You can actually make a reservation at a dungeon here in LA. That's how cool we are. Yeah. Whereas here people yeah, people travel hours just to get to our one like swingers club here. I live about two and a half hours from it. And we'll be like, cool, people will travel just to get there. It's hmm. uh yeah. We're hmm. getting there. We're trying to be part of the movement. <laughs> Yeah. Interesting. All right. So where do you see like the future of this? I mean, I know that you you feel like you're like everyone's kind of behind. Um, but just through your work and through the connections you've made in the community, like what is the future of swinging in New Zealand? Well, we just have a desire for sexual liberation. So part of the holding space for the conversations and the workshops and all of that is also like networking and helping people to connect to one another as well. What we're doing in our platforms is really holding space for people to feel more liberated in themselves, people to come on on board this movement. And we're seeing it. People will be like, oh, yeah, I play your guys' podcast on my lunch break at work. <laughs> like everyone is just like siphoning in this like sex positive attitude bit by bit. 
Um, we also see the business going into the places of holding festivals. So we've got a plan mm. for like a sexuality festival in the next two years. So we can start bringing in international people to come and educate people on things like, you know, dominance and submission and shibari and experts in these fields that we don't have in New Zealand. The curiosity is here. People just don't know where to find the information and they don't have the venues just yet. But I feel like, I think we both feel like we're just on the precipice of it. Okay. Uh, business aside, do either of you have any fantasies that you haven't been able to fulfill yet? You go first, Johnson. I'm going to think up a really dirty one. All right. We'll definitely keep this non-monogamy <laughs> related then. I've always been fascinated by the idea of the reverse gangbang. So myself oh. with m more than two or three other other women, mm -hmm. I think. You're so typical. You're so typical. <laughs> but you know what? Like, a lot I've of guys I've say done, that. I've done a lot of really crazy shit. I've done a oh, lot yeah. of really interesting oh, shit. Oh, like really? That, like what? That's just, that's just <laughs> not one of them. That's just not one of them. But, oh, are you a, are you bisexual? I, so, oh. yes, yes. However, I use the term heteroflexible, and that's not because bisexual is technically incorrect. It's because I think a lot of people are, particularly, again, down here in New Zealand where the education perhaps is a little bit lacking. A lot of people, I think, assume when you use the term bisexual, it means equally attracted to men and women, whereas, right. of course, it's far more complex than that, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Is so, it just a physical thing with you? Yes, so I've got no romantic. I describe myself as heteroflexible, sexual, romantically monogamous, and sexually non-monogamous. Mm, okay. Kitty. Oh, <laughs> I I really enjoy sensation play and I really enjoy dominant submission dynamics. And so that is kind of what I'm in right now. Like when I think about it, my fantasy would be man and this man I'm currently seeing, we call him the wizard on the podcast. Oh. And <laughs> he's the wizard because the first night we ever had sex, he brought around his magic wand, his vibrating oh. wand to my house to use with me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a What man. a gentleman. I know. <laughs> It was great. And he has so many other toys. So him and another woman and the exploration of sensation play, dominant submission. They really love like sensory experiences, mm -hmm. bringing in toys and tools and everything like that. And I would also like to have more experiences in group dynamics. But when I think of like my ultimate fantasy, it's probably just me and a man and another woman. Mm. Are you bisexual? I would say bi-curious. I'm definitely attracted to women. Like I fucking find women so beautiful. Mm -hmm. But in terms of sexually, more more men. Yeah, without mm -hmm. a doubt. However, there's definitely like an attraction. And for a woman that I'm like, yes, definitely I'd be down. Mm. And But you've never done that before? I've been with a woman before, but it was like many years ago, pre-marriage days. Mm -hmm. Just her and I. So I've, the only threesome I've had was two guys and me. How was that? Oh, so good. Oh, really? It was really? It was so yummy. Yeah. Like, it was all about me. Neither of them even came. <laughs> like oh. the whole, yep, yeah, the whole night was just, and they were, they were happy about it. The oh. whole night was just like, I am, um, I had very explosive orgasms. And so they were just like, wow. <laughs> and they're really good friends. They're high-fiving and fist pumping. Nice. Yeah, it was yum. It was delicious. Kitty and Johnson host the Sex With My Ex podcast. Check them out at sexwithmyexpodcast.com. 
Okay, next time on Consenting Adults, the safer side of sex and swinging. So we can still swing, but we're, we're just a little bit more open to, oh wow, maybe we should have been a little bit more careful. Mm. So porn kind of ruined swinging for you. Yeah. A high school teacher turned swinger turned porn star talks about how doing it professionally has changed the way she plays. That's next time on Consenting Adults.